0: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget. Kind of like the final seasons of a couple of the shows we're going to be talking about today. It's happened. We have reached that point in popular culture where the biggest, most prominent DC productions have come to an end. I say biggest and most prominent. Like a couple people watch them, but you know what I mean. Uh, we'll talk about The CW for a bit, because I'm kind of excited to talk about that. It is so fun, and we'll get into that in a minute. We do have a bit of news to talk about, as always. Not much. Again, I'm trying to be very like selective of what I talk about, because I don't just want to bring up, like, hey, this thing's not happening because the writer's strike is currently happening, and it's probably going to look like SAG is going to strike soon. So I I just don't want to bring that up until it becomes like a necessary thing to talk about. I don't think we need to get into it, but there's a couple of casting news we can talk about, a couple of big revelations for some things people know, I guess, I don't know. I do want to talk about one piece of the WGA writer strike that has shut down a couple productions. I'm sticking to just talking about these, like this franchise, I should say, solely because it's the biggest thing in the world and I don't feel bad talking shit about it for a minute, or just talking about like... Maybe it's a good thing you're not doing stuff right now. So it's the MCU, a topic everybody likes talking about. We could talk about like the supposed casting rumors for the Fantastic Four. I don't want to. I don't care. It's not... There's no way. There's no way. I guess we are talking about it. There's no way it's going to be Adam Driver, Margot Robbie, and Paul Mescal. Those are like three of the biggest stars at the moment. I do not buy for a second they're getting all three of those people. It's so uninspired. I think Paul Mescal as Johnny is interesting, but it's so uninspired. And then you have, like, Driver and Robbie for that role. It's it's so, like, yeah, okay, cool. And David Diggs as Ben Grimm. I don't hate it. But it doesn't come across as a good idea to have your only actor of color play the rock monster. That doesn't look good, you know? David could be Reed if you wanted to try something new. I don't know. Very strange. But I actually wanted to talk about the writer strike and how it's affecting the MCU. So a couple of productions have been shut down. They have stopped production on the Thunderbolts, which was supposed to begin filming very soon. That's good. Let's change that completely and make it an actual Thunderbolts thing as opposed to Black Widow 2 with characters that aren't popular. So I'm okay with that. I don't imagine that show or that movie was going to be like fun or interesting. Look, I'm a, I'm a Thunderbolts fan. I love that original comic book run. It's so interesting. Just getting this team together, it's kind of cool, but they all kind of serve the same purpose, so it's not that fun. Whatever. So that's not operating at the moment. And then Wonder Man also shut down. the still not yet fully announced a show that they are currently filming. That is also shut down for the moment. And it's like, okay, that's probably for the best. I'm kind of cool that Marvel's like show about Hollywood isn't running right now because Hollywood shut down. That's kind of, that's kind of an interesting thing to see happen. They should bring it up in the show. I doubt they will. I doubt they will. But the interesting part of this in my opinion is that Deadpool 3 is still going to be filming. So they are still allowed to film. They're filming over in London, I think, and then they got a couple of filmings here in Canada they're doing. But because Ryan Reynolds is a credited writer on Deadpool 3, he is not allowed to improvise any of the scenes for the movie. Which means two things could happen. One, it's going to be worse than the previous two movies, which don't hold up well on a rewatch. Or two, it might actually be interesting because Ryan Reynolds isn't going to ruin it by talking all the time. I've said this numerous times. I don't need to get into it again. Not a fan of the entire vibe Reynolds gives off in those movies or in like his professional life. There was like that thing recently where Tarantino was like, Ryan Reynolds made like two movies that he made like $50 million for. Can you name them? And it's like, no, you can't because they're not real movies. Like his entire vibe is just, I'm not a real movie star. I'm not in real movies. So it's lame. It's really lame. So kind of interesting that Jackman and Reynolds are back doing this same thing again in the midst of another writer's strike because the Wolverine movie that they were both in before was kind of like associated with the first strike. It's kind of fascinating that way. Almost like the world saying, maybe this never works, (laughs) and we shouldn't try to put them together. Or if we do, maybe we get two other actors to do it. I don't know. Very strange. I'm not excited for Deadpool 3. I don't think it's going to be that interesting, but they're going to be filming it, so it's going to be the only piece of Marvel content that we can guarantee happening in 2024. I guess Captain America is still filming, so we can guarantee for the moment Captain America and Deadpool 3. Everything else is up in the air, as it should be, because we're still not doing Blade. Blade's being pushed. No doubt in my mind they're pushing Blade again. And the Thunderbolts just completely rework that into a Citizen V thing. And then, what's the next one? The next one after that would be the Fantastic Four. So, there you go. Marco Robbie's Fantastic Four. Interesting stuff. I don't really care about any of it. Just... I I don't want to say let's take a break because it's so stupid to say, but it is nice knowing I don't have to talk about this stuff all the time anymore. It's a relief. So let's move from one cinematic universe to the humble beginnings of another one that is being made before our eyes. How many of you have watched the TV show Citadel? This is a new show on Apple, no, not Apple TV, the other one, Amazon. That is, I don't know, the global spy agency Citadel has fallen, and the memory of its agents have been erased. Now the powerful Montecore crime syndicate is filling the power vacuum. Citadel agents must remember their past and find the strength to fight back. Well, that sounds really uninteresting. I genuinely don't care about anything that was just said there. But the show is a big enough hit that it did garner a second season. And guess what, folks? You're not going to believe this. You are not going to believe this. They filmed a spinoff called Citadel Diana. I don't know what that means. I'm guessing Diana is a character in the universe. Maybe it's Princess Diana. I don't know. But this is all connecting to the spy-verse that's right, folks. Finally, for the first time in film history, we're getting the spy-verse. The spy-verse. I-, I know what you're thinking. Don't you think a better spy team would have used that before? Like an Ethan Hunt or a James Bond or hell, a Jason Bourne? Nope. It's the people from Citadel. They got to spy-verse for- first. Almost like it sounds terrible and has no meaning. And just sounds like somebody had a stroke saying "Spider Verse," "Spy Verse." Ugh! It rolls off the tongue like you are choking on gum. It sounds terrible. And what what are we doing? Like, I just, I I was like, do I want to watch Citadel? I like Giancarlo Pro Jonas, and I do like Richard Madden, but I'm like stop making these. Can we just not make these anymore? This, these types of shows feel like the equivalent of like Ghosted and Red Notice where it's like, who is this for? It's not that interesting. Let's stop them. Let's just stop them. But it's getting a spin-off. The spy verse is upon us. We're deep in the, the clutches of the spy verse. It's happening every single second of our lives. There's a spy verse. That's cool. Are you guys excited? If you watch Citadel, I don't think you did, because I I just, I know one person who watched Citadel, and I don't remember if they spoke highly of it. Insanity. So strange. What a, uh, why are we doing this? Like, I don't want to talk about any of this crap. Is Priyanka Shupra Jonas really sexy? Yeah, she is. Is Richard Madden really sexy? Yeah, he is. Do I need to see them, like, act together in, like, situations that don't matter to anybody? Not really. So, no thank you. (laughs) I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. Because what is that even? What is that even? Doesn't sound like anything. None of this is anything, if we're being honest. But we do have another piece of news to talk about before we get to our main topic. This is some casting announcements and rumors for the upcoming mortal kombat 2 do you remember when they made that mortal kombat movie that didn't actually do a mortal kombat and like the main character was somebody who never appeared in any of the games and his special power was he could turn into like an armadillo man do you remember when that happened and it was fine and we're like yeah we don't mm, weird i would have loved to have seen that in a movie theater i think that would have been really cool but it was like we're going straight to streaming because it's the pandemic, but they are getting a sequel. It must've done good. I think it's one of like the few like movies that went straight to HBO max that did good. It was like that and Kong versus Godzilla, but we have a couple of announcements. So the first, this one's a rumor still. They haven't like officially confirmed it, that Carl Urban is in talks to play Johnny Cage in mortal Kombat too. I mean, sure. I guess I don't know he doesn't have like the energy for it he doesn't seem like he's like smile right I guess if it's an older Johnny fine I don't know I mean Joel McHale did do the voice for Johnny in a lot of like those animated movies and I do think that works better for Johnny just because when you look at Joel you're like this is a guy that looks like a piece of shit like he is a a smug asshole but when you look at Urban, he looks like a nice guy who's happy and fun and smiley and bubbly, and that—that's just not Johnny. Johnny is just a little bit of a prick, and I just don't—I don't buy that. I don't buy that idea happening. But that's not all. We do have official announcements that Adeline Rudolph is going to be playing Katana. So. We're doing Katana, finally. Like, my favorite character in the Mortal Kombat universe, Katana. Like, we're actually gonna have her in the movie. That's a good idea, finally. Finally! Like, okay, cool. And Adelaine Rudolph is not an actor I know a lot about. I know they were in, like, what's that show? The, the Adventures of Sabrina one. But she looks the part. I buy it. She looks pretty. She looks like she could kick some ass, so... I'm here for that. I'm okay. She was in that Resident Evil thing too, right? Was she in like that new Resident Evil? Yeah. Okay. I- I'm I'm sold. I'm sold. I feel like I've seen her in something else too. I'm just going to quickly look at some of her credits. Okay. She's going to be in the new Hellboy movie? Okay. She's slowly building a repertoire for herself here. Who is she? Bobby Joe Song. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Remember that they're doing another Hellboy? Isn't that weird? So insane! But so we have Katana. We also have Jade. Tati G- Gabrielle is going to be playing Jade, which is kind of cool. I mean, I'm I'm here for that. Like, it's uh, it's kind of fun. It's I I mean I really like that side of the universe where it's like Katana and it's Jade, and I find it so interesting that we're going to be doing Katana and Jade after we've done Melina, because it feels like Melina's the one you do after those two. Where it's like, hey, it's the same kind of vibe, but now it's like dark and weird. She's got a weird mouth, but no, she was in the first movie before these two characters even were talked about. So that's really weird, but uh, we're doing it. So that's, that's cool. We're doing it. That's exciting. Here for it. Jade and Katana, two characters that are really cool awesome and that is going to do it for the new segment we're going to take a quick break and when we come back let's talk about something pretty baller the dc universe as told through the lens of the cw (laughs) Well, it's finally happened, folks. The final episode of the Arrowverse has came and went because The Flash has dropped its final episode last week. And with that, I thought we could look back at the Arrowverse for a minute because it's actually kind of exciting when you think about it. Like, a network televised program about some of your favorite comic book characters, a lot of those shows ran for, like, multiple seasons and they all got endings, and it was fun, like, it's weird that that happened, you know, and that it worked, you know, it's kind of cool, like, the Arrowverse in itself is such a unique concept, and it's so fun to think about, because it shows you that this can work, it shows you that this actually works on a larger scale, I know I say larger scale, like, well, it's not the same level as, like, you know, the MCU or anything, but, they do in like 20 episode seasons and we're seeing that these characters are going through a lot and that this story is progressing in huge ways and there's some interconnectedness to it. And it actually is pretty fascinating when you think about it. I 100% believe this. When I say that the Arrow is the best example of serialized comic books being told on television, I mean that. I'm not saying it's like the best shows out there. But this is this this is like the universe on televised programs of any capacity that figured out how to do it. You have multiple episode arcs, you have standalone arcs or just one episode, multiple character arcs throughout episodes or seasons. They did it right. Like this is how you are supposed to do these things. And it worked so well. And it just escalated into big bad ways. It's kind of impressive the way it handled itself. You gotta, you gotta admit. It's kind of cool that it happened that way. It's really fun. I don't know. Like, just thinking back on all of these shows, it does feel like you just, like, captured the time in a bubble where we could get away with doing this. Like, there's no way. There's no way today. You can start up something for 20 episodes and have somebody dedicated to the entire universe like that. It doesn't feel like you could do that anymore. It's such like a lightning in a bottle moment for comic book television where it's like, yeah, we can start slowly and then we can build up our roster a little bit and have new characters be introduced, try new things, do this, do that. It it definitely is not something we can do again. I don't think the audience is there for it to happen again. And I don't think there's like a studio that would want to try to do this again because it's just so perfectly made for the network it was on. And that's the other thing too. This is the CW. And now I I, I could do an entire episode talking about the CW and why I think it's like an important staple of television. A couple of things about the CW. They are currently reshuffling all of their crap. That is why all of these shows were pretty much canceled that besides like the new mergers and all that crap but they for the longest time on like an actual kind of like network you can watch television on had a huge demographic of young people which is a hard one to obtain for a cable channel and yes as the as the series kind of progressed in their like ne- and like their. Deals with Netflix kind of went through, it shifted to more like Netflix programming. But for the CW to maintain its audiences for shows like Supernatural and Riverdale and The Vampire Diaries and all of those shows, it's impressive that they did that. It is impressive that they managed to hold on to that for so long and keep consistently pumping out stuff. Now we'd find out later that none of these shows were actually making any money back and they were just barely getting by each time. But the fact that they were able to maintain an average viewership of over a million people between the ages of 18 to 45, like that is super impressive and a rare thing to see in any capacity. It's so cool to see that. And I think the CW was so good at just using diversity in his shows to make different stories that you're not seeing anywhere else. No, that's not just saying, like, all these shows were great, because they do make a lot of stuff that's just not good, and they reuse a lot of, like, their same talent that's just not good. But you have to admit, if you look at, like, their entire lineup between, like, 2010 to 2020, they are making some original diversified content you are not finding anywhere else. And smothered in the middle of all of that stuff that they are doing is the Arrowverse. Because they're like, yeah, we are kind of owned by Warner Brothers. We have a platform for teenagers. What if we made like young adult oriented? I say that loosely. I know it's mature stuff too. Content for DC superheroes. Because the other thing too, when you look at Supernatural... When you look at the Vampire Diaries and all those other shows that are on their networks, like the new Walker one and whatever Lucy Hale's doing this time around, they're all aimed for like that middle-aged demographic of just 20-year-old to 30. That is a great demographic to get people interested in comic books. Because those shows, too, are very serialized. They're very episodic. They're very, it's like, here's a long overarching arc, or here's a standalone one. It's kind of doing like dramatic versions of sitcoms. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but that's what they are doing. You could have your to-be continued, you could do all this, but they're really understanding this is like the way a comic book should feel, the way a comic book should move. It's really impressive. And I, I, again, it's just amazing to me it worked that we actually had it make sense and that they were able to... Have crossovers and they're able to use the same actors because we're all pretty much filming every single one of these shows in like one location. It's really cool that that worked. I'm just impressed by it. Look, this is what I grew up on. The first episode of Arrow started in 2012 when I was the ripe old age of a teenager. So I just remember when I'd come home from school, I'd just want to go watch the latest Arrow episode or the latest Flash episode or the latest episode of Supergirl because it's it was just like there and they were like talking about stuff in comic books on a different type of scale than going to see the latest Marvel movie that's so like one idea you're talking about the Arrowverse really just said we can shift focal points we can try talking about new things and explaining new things we don't just have to be one single-minded idea we can try whatever we want. See what sticks. One season's going to be a little more friendly and lighter. The other one's going to be darker and different. We're going to cut back the episodes to make things matter in bigger ways. It's really impressive and it handled itself well. That was just an awesome thing to see. And the fact that it lasted this long is also really impressive. Like a lot of these shows, all of them have at least made it to three seasons. How many other shows that are comic book related are making it past season three. The only one we know so far is the boys. That's it. No other one has made it that far. I guess Umbrella Academy, right? What season are they on? They have one more in them, don't they? I don't know. It's just very impressive. Like it's such a cool thing. I don't know. I'm just it's so comic booky to me. Like it just understood like this is what we're doing. Here's how we're making things happen. And it did every single story right. Like the fact that we are, the fact that we're about to go into a Flash movie, and we're coming off a nine seasons of a Flash TV show. There's nothing that that movie can do that the TV show hasn't already done, and that is just the worst part about it. We'll get to that when we talk about the Flash a little bit more. But let's talk about the one that started it all. We're gonna go through all of the shows the ones that premiered first to the one that premiered last. Then we'll talk about some of the crossovers and like some of the actors and stuff. We got to talk about Arrow, which was the biggest deal. So for a brief second, the Arrow show was actually going to be like Justin Hartley's green arrow spinoff from Smallville. They talked about that for a minute because he had that failed Aquaman pilot, which is insane. Can you imagine if we had an Aquaman TV show? That would have been so cool. I feel like we'll never have that happen now, but then Arrow premiered, Stephen Amell got cast as the lead, and it was good. Look, I know Arrow isn't perfect, and it went into some very insane directions, but I just remember those first couple of seasons I was just enraptured with. I'm like, this is what I've wanted. We're doing Green Arrow. We're using some Green Arrow characters. We are building a big roster of heroes in this universe, and it doesn't feel right, but it's okay. The thing is, and this is going to be the obvious thing, Oliver Queen in this universe kind of just became the Bruce Wayne, he became the Batman character, he was dark and brooding, and they do so many plot lines to him that would happen to Bruce Wayne in the comic books, he literally goes to Nanda Parbat, he fights Ray al Ghul he has like an al Ghul that he goes there to the League of Assassins and he eventually has like a secret son he learns about and he's got a bad cave he even has an oracle and we we paralyzed Felicity do you remember that we paralyzed Felicity for a minute and then she just got better so he does that and he's got like a dark brooding vibe to him which is I mean that's not what I want from Oliver Queen. Like, if we ever do an Oliver Queen again, I do want him to be like the more jovial Robin Hood, Errol Flynn vibe. But I get why we had to do it for this network and why we did it for this era that he was just that dark thing. Because for legal reasons, we can't have Batman on television. The next best thing is Oliver Queen. So if you really wanted to make that show Batman, I get why it was a green arrow. I will say the costumes were good, I think they they did get better, I did like the sleeveless looked one, because I think that just works pretty cool for that aesthetic, but I like that he had the hood every time he wore it, I like that it just started off as like, this is a guy wearing a weird shirt he owned once, and it is kind of like insane that they managed to do the flashbacks for like five seasons, <laughs> like that is pretty crazy, you have to imagine like, that's insanity, I, I mean, There's no way a modern show would do that kind of flashback stuff. That is so crazy, but Amel did good. I think what he was asked to do, he did well. I also think if he wanted to, the guy could play an Oliver Queen that's a little more jovial and fun. But maybe that's what he wanted to do—was keep it like a little more dark and light because it adds to like the depth of the character. Now, I'm not somebody who needs to see like the oh man, look at this dramatic thing that happened to Oliver Queen and he's brooding because of it. He's like this dark, twisted soul who can never fully love. I don't need to see that. I know why that's appealing to some people, but I don't need to see it. I just want to see a guy having a good time. But I did like the show, the the expanding roster of characters did get annoying and almost did ruin it like we couldn't just keep one person on the show long enough that's the other thing about the cw that i kind of respect a revolving door of characters always popping up we had our core ones when it came to Era. we had oliver queen we had diggle who is like an interesting character that they just threw in here felicity smoke was the other one that was kind of like a mainstay. and then it's like okay he has a sister thea but She's only in it for a bit, and then we have Roy Harper for a minute, and then he's not, and his mom dies, and then for a minute we have, like, Mr. Terrific, (laughs) and each season we had, like, a villain show up for something. Why was Mr. Terrific in this show? That is so bizarre. It's such a weird thing to think. And Ragman, remember when Ragman was on the team for, like, a second, and Wild Dog was on the team for a second? What was happening? And we also had like a bill, we had every iteration of a Black Canary appear on this show, which is kind of exciting. I think that's pretty cool that we could do Dinah Drake, Dinah Lance, all of them. But she went by Laurel, right? Yeah. And then there was like another one from another universe that showed up. And then we had Sarah for a minute. And then it's like, we did all of them. And then towards the end, we had like another, we had the Huntress for a bit they did everybody. Holy shit. They did everybody. And there was another one, because they were gonna do like that spin off of like Green Arrow and the Black Canaries. And I think we went to the future in Legends of Tomorrow and we fought Connor Hawk or something. Do you remember oh man, do you remember when like the- I guess we could talk about that in Legends, but do you remember in Legends when like one of the earliest episodes they went to like the future and Oliver Queen was missing an arm? Yeah. What a time that was. And then they had Merlin was a villain, Prometheus was a villain. Dolph Lundgren was a villain. (laughs) Like they did everybody, it's insane. Eight seasons of Arrow. Eventually, Oliver Queen became the Specter or something, which is like, was that really where his arc was going? People were like, that's where his arc was going, but I don't buy that. Whatever, cool. It worked. It happened. It was fun. Good show. Glad it exists. And then in that in the third season or the was it the second or third season? In one of the earlier seasons of Arrow, a little man by the name of Grant Gustin made an appearance as Barry Allen. And he was like, hey, I'm a goofy boy. And if this episode wasn't successful or my show wasn't successful, I would just be a recurring character over here on Arrow. But guess what, folks? We had a Flash TV show. For some reason, TV always wants to do the Flash. I I guess I get it. And then we just did it for nine seasons. This is the one that lasted the longest. It literally just ended. I gotta commend this show for existing as long as it did. Like, The Flash is not a character I've always gravitated to. I was always a Green Arrow guy of the two. But nine seasons of a Flash show. Nine seasons of a Flash show. And they did everything well enough. That is impressive. This is the other thing where it's like... You had a revolving door of speedsters, a revolving door of metahumans. You talked about every single Flash villain you could think of. The fact that a TV show of The Flash had a steal of every single one of the rogues gallery, Gorilla Grodd, every single speedster, and the upcoming movie is General Zod is infuriating. How does the TV show get to Mirror Master before the movie does? It's so weird. It's it's incredible that it worked and that they were all good characters and they were portrayed well and we had all of them at some point. We did Gorilla Grodd. We did Gorella Grodd in this universe. And look, I don't care what your politics are towards Ezra Miller. I don't. He They suck, okay? Grant Gustin is the Flash for my generation. I don't care what you say or do. You cannot change my mind. He owned that role in a way that is never going to be done before because that is how Barry Allen is portrayed. He's a little bit quirky, a little bit geeky, a little bit headstrong and in love, kind of falling in and out of favor with a lot of people. And he's just a little bit overconfident, but knows what he's doing. And he's reassuring and he's confident in that kind of capacity. They did it. They nailed it. They had a great mystery at the beginning. Like, hey, there's a crisis happening. The Flash is going to vanish in it. What does any of that mean? And then, boom, he wants to kiss his adopted sister. You're like, whoa, okay, sure. If that's what you want to do, I guess you can. And then it's like, what if he worked in an establishment with Vibe and Killer Frost? And you're like, I guess so? And then it's like... What if that was actually a really good idea? And it's like completely different tonal thing from everything Arrow did, where Arrow's like dark, gloomy, we're going to be Batman. Here we're actually the Flash. And it's really cool. And we introduced everybody. It does kinda suck that both of those shows introduced like the legacy characters of Roy Harper and of Wally West, and it never stuck and we couldn't like expand that and do a season just dedicated to them. That kinda sucks, but I get it I guess like these young actors don't want to be tied to this thing it makes sense it's also really impressive that we that we literally did every speedster like in this universe that's so cool like we did reverse flash professor zoom savatar black death we red death even we did all of them and we did flashpoint and we did all the rogue stuff and we just had grant gustin just own a character for a long time That is really impressive to me, and it's such a unique thing we may never see again. I can't imagine another Flash property taking an entire time and dedication to doing an Abracadabra arc. Do you remember when they did the Music Meister thing, and Darren Criss showed up, and he's like, hey, I'm Music Meister, Benoist, Gustin, you're both singers, right? Well, we're doing a singy song thing. That is cool that like, that's so cool. And they just use their budget. Well, and Firestorm was in it. And it's just impressive and such a unique show. My goodness. I'm so glad it exists. I'm glad all of this exists. The fact that there's nine seasons of a flash show, that's impressive. Like we're never going to do that again. And I know this is the show that I think was the most affected by COVID where it's like, we cannot recover from what just happened to us. (laughs) We're kind of stuck here it's okay. They did fine. They got through it all, and they got out alive. And that's kind of cool. That's really cool. And then you think, we can't be premiering more shows, right? No way. Well, CBS actually made one for themselves, and then later on, was it season two or three, that they were moved over to the CW? I don't remember, but Supergirl. Do you remember when Supergirl was actually on CBS for a hot minute? And they're like, we have one. We did one. And it was a different type of budget. And then it came to the CW and it found its audience in a bigger way. Because the CBS audience does not care about Supergirl. You have to bring it in over there. And they they like they, they cross it over because they had... Well, what, what freaking crisis was it? They had one of their crossover events where supergirl's planet like just morphed into it because she appeared in an episode of the flash or the flash appeared in an episode of her show and they're like what did it just make more sense if we just merged the worlds and then we didn't explain it ever again and that's what they did that's what they did but we did supergirl folks we did a supergirl show six seasons of a supergirl show can you believe that in 2015 this show started which is pretty cool And she did a lot of stuff in it, and then we just, like, kept going. This was the one that I think was the hardest to penetrate at the beginning, because you're like, okay, you got Martian Manhunter on your team, and you have your sister, and Jimmy Olsen is Guardian, okay? And you're like, why are we working with the DOA, and who are we fighting Oh, we're fighting Superman villains because we can't actually do Superman on television. So we're just going to have you be Superman. Okay. Yeah, that happened. Look, again, it's so early 2010s that we're not trying to do Superman or Batman on television. So we're just finding the replacements. But Benoist, just like Gustin, made that role her own she became the definitive version of the character for a lot of people she is so sweet and charming and fun and what I really like about the show is that they really leaned into just doing a couple of romantic storylines like remember when Ma and Elle showed up we're like hey this guy's pretty good and weren't they dating off screen too I don't remember, but it's just so nice. It was such a cool show, and it gave us Tyler as Superman, and gave us Bitsy as Lois, so I can't be mad at it for that, and who knew that they'd get better chemistry when they left the show to do their own show? It's just cool. I cannot believe Martian Manhunter was in this show. It's so bizarre. What, they did like, um, they had like a, like, uh, this was where John Cryer showed up as Lex, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. And Braini- Brainiac 5, they had Brainiac 5 show up for a minute. You're like, what are we doing? This is insanity. And then we had Lena Luther, who was like our, our Lex Luther, but it's not Lex. And Callista Flockhart was Cat Grant, right? Because she ran like the magazine thing that Caro is working at. That's crazy. That's crazy cool. I love thinking about that. Weird stuff. But I really like this show. I think it was fun. It was creative. It did play up like Superman for a large majority of it. But Benoist was fantastic. And she was she's just cool. And I, I want to see her do more stuff. I know why she wouldn't. Because you've done six seasons of a Supergirl show. What left do you have to say? But I get it. And from there, we had another another show, right? Legends of Tomorrow, this is the one where it's like, what if we took all of the characters that are popular, that people like, and put them in a show? So the first seasons of Legend of Tomorrow had Rip Hunter, a man out of time, team up with Sarah Lance, White Canary, Ray Palmer, the Hawk people. Because we had a crossover with Vandal Savage and the Hawk people, the Firestorms, and then Heat Wave and Captain Cold. You're like, what are we doing? That's insane. And that first season is really rough. And the second season, still kind of rough. And it goes all over the place. But then somewhere as the show continued on, it found its footing. And it became an absurdist comedy where Gorilla Grodd's going to kill Barack Obama. I know it's such like a weird thing to say. But there's an episode where they like stopped George Lucas from creating Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then Commander Steele and the Adam can't be superheroes anymore because they're not inspired. <laughs> and I'm like, that's funny. You cannot tell me that's not funny. And then they fought like who's the who is that guy? Damien Dark? Yeah. And then they fought Zoom for a minute. And then they fought Vandal Savage for a minute. And then like Katie Lutz became like the lead of the show and she was like a silly lady. And it's like, this is fun. This is insanity it legends of tomorrow is insane like it is so bizarre that it worked and became its own entity that is separate from the other things we're talking about it definitely feels like it's not connected to the other shows (laughs) where it's like no yeah time travel adventure with brandon routh like what more do you want revolving door again like why why did we do the hawk people and then have them do nothing that's insane that is so funny Because they were like, we are leading the crossover. And then as the show progressed, nobody cared about the Hawk people. They didn't matter at all. Did they leave at the end of the first season? Yeah, I think they did. And then we had Vixen join the team and Steel join the team. And then we had like the Time Agency join the team. And then Constantine was on the team. (laughs) Remember when NBC did that Constantine show? and it was like, fine, but it didn't do good numbers, and then they just brought Matt Ryan over to the CW, and he was the same character, and they did, I forgot the CW did Lucifer, because Netflix picked it up for like, the final season, yeah, and that was connected too, which we'll talk about in a minute, yeah, insane, Legends was insane, what a bizarre show, I'm glad all of this exists though, like, what are we, what are we even doing half the time, It's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. But then 2018 brings us Black Lightning. Arguably the one they should have done first because it's Black Lightning. That is like such a no-brainer character to play with. Like, why did it take us this long to do Black Lightning? And this was a very interesting one because it's kind of like in its own separate universe until it wasn't it's like we're just starting over and doing something original we're gonna have like an older black lightning who's just kind of like out of the game he has to step back in and it's just like okay look it's great and something i've always said if you marketed black lightning right he could be one of your lead characters one of the dc universe's like leading prominent african-american characters but they're scared to push him they're scared to push him as a lead and that sucks but we did four seasons of that show they dealt with some of this stuff from like the outsiders which is kind of interesting And Thunder and Lightning did get their powers in it. And it's like, that's kind of fun. And was it Cress Williams that played Jefferson? I think it was. Is that his name? It is an interesting show. I I will say, nothing I've talked about so far, I have seen every single episode of. Nothing I've talked about so far, I have watched the finale of. Because the other cool thing about the CW stuff is there's so much of it you don't have to watch it all. You can just find your ending in season five, six, four, or 8, and move on with your life. And that's pretty damn cool. The Black Lightning had a show. Black Lightning had a show. And then he joined the Justice League for a minute when they made a Justice League, because they had a crossover. And it's insane. And you're like, okay, truly, that was the last show they made. It wasn't, because in 2019... Ruby Rose joined the DC Arrowverse as Batwoman. They did a Batwoman show. And again, we can't do Batman, so let's do Batwoman. I think Ruby Rose was a really good choice if we were making a Batwoman movie. I I think I know why she signed on to do this show because it's like when are you going to get the chance to play the character again you probably won't because no one's going to let you be it in a movie but she didn't she never felt like a like a tv star she definitely feels like somebody who's trying to push for like the bigger role on screen but she looked the part so well so incredibly cool an insane show i think it's i think batwoman was fine she did exit the show early and we replaced her with another actress who was a new character. Oh, what was the name of the new character? I don't care. It also turned out that like maybe she hurt herself a lot on set and that's why she quit. But I thought she was pretty fun. She had a good suit, she looked the part. And then we had Ryan Wilder? No, that doesn't sound right. Who who played her? Who played Batwoman in season 2? I can't remember. And it's like, what are we doing? That show is another one where it's like, we're doing everything except giving you, (laughs) like, Batman. So it was Javicia Leslie, who is playing Ryan Wilder. Okay, yeah. Okay, and that was kind of fun. And then didn't they, like, didn't she fight Alice, too? And then they introduce, like, Poison Ivy in the end. And Luke Fox was there and he got a suit at the end too. And the suit looked pretty good. Look, it was just a shit show from the beginning, but I'm glad they attempted it because it did get three seasons and then she did get to play Red Death in like the Flash finale. So it leads you to believe like, hey, are we ever going to see Batwoman again? Prob's not because I don't think they're ever going to take that chance again because they suck and they should and they're bad at everything. But they did it. It only got three seasons, but it was fun. It was fun. We had fun when we did it. Should do it more. We should do it more. Uh, Which one's your favorite? I think my favorite's still Arrow and Legends, but I do appreciate all of them for existing. So, it doesn't stop there, folks, because later was some animated stuff with like Vixen and Deathstroke and whatever. And then they were like, what if we made a couple of crossovers? Because the thing is, they did play it like it's comic book television and comic books themselves were going to cross over all the time. So the first one was Flash versus Arrow. And it's like, hey, they're just going to like stop villains and help each other in their cities. Yay, we're doing it. And then we did like Heroes Join Forces, which is the second annual crossover event in the Arrowverse, which was in 2015 and they stop Vandal Savage, and then they did Invasion, where they fight the Dominators, which I'm like, that's a really cool idea for this crappy show no one's watching, that's great, and that's where Supergirl shows up, and they, she like comes to like the main universe, and then we did Crisis on Earth X, where we fight the Nazis of ourselves, and we're like, okay, and that's where we meet the Ray of the Freedom Fighters, and we're like, okay, sure, fine, and then we did the Elseworlds one, yeah, the Elseworlds one was next, where it's like, hey, what if we swamped universes, and that's also where we begin, the thing that's, it's insane it ever happened, it is insane this happened, and I, I know that's like a bold statement, but the fact that we did Crisis on Infinite Earths on television, television in a five-part event, is crazy. It's, it is literally crazy. We shouldn't have had that happen. It shouldn't have worked. There's no way it should have worked, but it did. And we not only just crossed over all the shows in our universe, we had 66 Batman showed up, 89 Batman showed up, Ezra Miller showed up. We had all of them come over. And John Wesley Ships, Barry Allen, did the thing on the treadmill and died and disappeared. And that was the crisis thing. Like, it's insane we did that. And Tom Welling came back. And it was just so beautiful. And, like, we may never, we may never do a crisis on Infinite Earths again. We may never do it. But we did it on television and nobody's talking about it. Like, that is a huge achievement for a show that is crossing over with five other shows to make itself work that way. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it turned out it was so cool. Oh, man. And then I guess we did Despero later. It doesn't matter. It's just like, I cannot believe it happened. We did the Antimonder. Lucifer showed up. We had people become the specter. It's like, whoa, we're destroying universes. It's crazy. And there's no freaking way the other universes are going to talk about that unbelievable unbelievable it it, it still amazes me that it worked crazy stuff man man I don't know it's just really cool it's not for everybody and I get that but it's just really impressive that all of this managed to work that for like 11 years we did the Arrowverse we had Oliver Queen and we had Barry Allen and we had Cara Danvers and we had Sarah Lance and we had Jefferson Pierce leading these things and Ruby Rose showed up for a bit you know it's crazy that we did this it's awesome it's just so cool and they did it well and it was so creative And we'll never have it happen again. It just won't. We are never in our lifetime going to see another comic book show get to season nine. We just won't. Mainly because modern television doesn't want you to watch something for nine seasons. Because we can't garner an audience for nine seasons. But it's crazy that it worked. And I I do think if you want to get like a, a perfect time capsule of television for young people in the 2010s. You should watch the Arrowverse because that's what we were all doing. That is, that is like what we were striving for is creating that type of stuff. It's really impressive. I still love it to death. It's so fun. And that's it folks. That's the Arrowverse. It is worth rewatching. I'm not going to tell you to binge it all because it's like 700 episodes of all of the Arrowverse, but there is something there to explore. There is something there to talk about. It is probably doing things we may never see again on a comic book television show. That's kind of cool. That's kind of fun. It's just like comic books, you know? Some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it is pointless. At the end of the day, you did read 300 issues. (laughs) So, that's something. (laughs) But hey, thank you all for watching this video be sure to like and subscribe to the channel if you're listening to this on the podcast feed you can give us a rating over there it definitely helps out as always be sure to check me out on instagram tiktok and twitter and i will catch you all in the next one run barry run that's all you got to do have fun stay safe good luck